Hello and welcome into Fantasy Focus Football. It is Sunday. Sunday, November 27th or Monday, <laughs> November 28th, depending on how you look at the situation. Today's show is presented by Geico. Switch to Geico and see all the ways that you could save. Field Jates, Daniel Dopp, Liz Loza in what is flannel. But Liz, you live in California. This is not flannel season for you right now. Come on, girl. It is cold. I don't know what to, I don't even know how I'm supposed to dress when I'm in Connecticut next. I'm completely stumped. Liz, Liz says it's cold. What is it, Liz? Is it like 68 right now? Yeah. A little balmy outside? No. It's it's like 58. That's like the 50s is cold. I don't care. Like, Liz, the 50s I, is cold. I would be sleeveless if Me it were too. 50. Now, I, I am sleeveless, generally <laughs> yeah. speaking, outside of work. So I guess it's not much of a statement there. But yes, well, first 58. of all, okay. field, when you have those, when you're sporting those kind of gains, how can you not be sleeveless? Come oh, on. Wow. Now, now, now I feel wow, bad right? for even saying anything about the weather uh, in Los Angeles. It's mostly <laughs> said out of, out of envy and spite and jealousy, Liz. I hope that's you know it's really not true. personal. Yeah, that's really true. We have so much we're going to cover here on the Week 12 show. Yeah. Congratulations are in order today. So many congratulations are in order. Do you want to start? Yeah, congratulations are in order to everybody who has Josh Jacobs on their fantasy oh roster. Because we just witnessed one of the most epic performances that we have ever seen from any player in the NFL. Josh Jacobs. Now, he had four and a half quarters to do it. But still, Josh Jacobs, that's right, the Raiders running back, had 229 rushing yards. Okay, that's a he lot. had 76 receiving yards on six catches. Wow. He had an 86-yard walk-off overtime rushing touchdown. It's the longest rushing touchdown in the NFL this season. Josh Jacobs had 48.3 fantasy points. He had 303 yards of total offense, he's the 11th player ever, ever to have 300-plus yards of total offense in a single game. Josh Jacobs has been unreal all season, Daniel. And today, he was better than he has ever been. A man headed for free agency in just a few months maybe made himself several million dollars today. Congratulations, everybody who has Josh Jacobs on your fantasy roster because you won. You definitely won. You won huge and feel I think he was even less winded than you were during that entire thing. Like yeah. he was just dominant the entire <laughs> game, man. I'm I'm not much of an athlete Let's to be look. clear. More Stop. of like a stationary sport kind of guy, right? Okay, yeah. Darts, not bad at those. The, yeah, darts the aerobic great. stuff, not so good. Cornhole, go to the cornhole. I have my days. Yeah. yeah. That little one at the bar where you have that little ring and you got to toss it under the hook. Ooh, that you thing I mean? is like, but it, it nauseating when you can't get it for like an hour and a half if straight. If you started Josh Jacobs yeah. and you didn't win. Yeah. I, I, here's a virtual hunt fantasy for basketball. Maybe? Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. <laughs> we're on to fantasy basketball. No, I'm sure there are people out there that did uh, have Josh Jacobs and still find a way to lose. It always happens. But one of the most memorable performances of the season, that much is for sure, between Dude. Joe Mixon a few weeks ago and Josh Jacobs today, and a couple of other absolutely dominant efforts. Today was one that we will remember at the end of this season, potentially the game of the year in fantasy football. I think a walk-off 86-yard uh, touchdown should count for however many more fantasy points than it actually counts for. You should oh, get like totally. a bonus for that. Absolutely. Like that. You know what yep. I mean? No debating that. All right, let's talk about a couple of quick-fire games from Thanksgiving. I'm going to start. Lions took on the Bills. We're going to be really quick with this. You have to be proud. So I feel super proud at what the Detroit Lions did against the Buffalo Bills as a team. I don't feel super proud as a DeAndre Swift manager because I'm going to read some numbers to you. DeAndre Swift's touch count over the last five games, 10, 5, 7, 8, 
and nine. Yeah. You notice there was one number in there that was double digits, and it was the very first one. And mm-hmm. it has not been trending in a direction that feels like they're moving away from Jamal Williams. It's really going to be tough for me to trust DeAndre Swift as anything more than a dart throw flex play, just given the upside that he has with his talent. But it's going to be tough here for me going forward. Field. Yeah, I, I think if you get right with DeAndre Swift, it's because you got lucky. Because yes. all the metrics that matter, the goal line work, we know that's going to. Jamal Williams literally leads the NFL in rushing touchdowns. Yep. He had another one on Thursday. He just keeps finding end zone scores. Passing game opportunities, limited for DeAndre Swift. Good luck. If you're starting him, good luck. You obviously have to keep DeAndre Swift, but a season that has gone off the rails because Jamal Williams has been really good, and DeAndre Swift is clearly hurt still. Yeah, still working Hurt's out. too strong of a word, but clearly he's still playing through something, and they're going to manage their snaps, and while they didn't win, the Lions continue to play good, effective offense. I expect that to be the case against a very tough Jets defense in Week 13. I'm totally with you on that one. And unfortunately for... Cowboys managers, Liz Loza, it feels like no matter how much we love Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott is just not going anywhere. You know, Daniel, there's a quote that I like to think of for all parts of my life, fantasy football included. When someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. And Jerry Jones has showed us continuously who he is and that Ezekiel Elliott is his guy. We can wish cast Tony Pollard into the lead role all we want, and it doesn't matter. It's not changing anything. Even Vegas has been stymied by this Zeke Elliott situation. The over-under on his rushing yards heading into Thanksgiving's contest was 46 and a half, and he went over 90 yards on the ground. He also scored the touchdown. He's getting the goal line looks. Now, Tony Pollard did see more action in the receiving game by one target, But I think we know here what the situation is. I do think facing the Colts, who are pretty tough against the run, I think they're only allowing 3.8 yards per carry to opposing rushers. Um, He's not going to have an efficient effort, but if there is a goal line opportunity, it's going Elliott's way. Yeah, it is. Unfortunately. I want it to happen. We've all wanted it to happen. We've been trying to speak it into existence. Jerry Jones is the, not just the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, He sounds like he's a general manager of not just the Cowboys, but also our fantasy leagues because he wants Zeke Elliott to be a big part of this offense. And I do have to give Zeke some chops. I mean, some praise. He did play well this past Thursday. I just, we all would love it if Tony Pollard were the clear cut guy in the Cowboys backfield. Doesn't seem like it's going to happen anytime this season, unless Zeke gets hurt. Uh, One more for me, Daniel, from Thursday, uh, the Patriots and Vikings game uh, late, the last one of the day. Um, Damian Harris left this game and because the Patriots play again this upcoming Thursday, they've already had their first practice of the week. Damian Harris was not there. He was in, he was on crutches after the game on Thursday night because of a thigh injury. Wow. Ramondre Stevenson has been unreal this season. Mm -hmm. And if you had told me that that Ramondre Stevenson was going to have a crazy year this year, I would have thought it was viable because he's a really talented guy, but I would not have guessed that Ramondre Stevenson would be third amongst all running backs in catches. He's amazing in the passing game. He was tremendous on Thursday night with nine catches for the Patriots. And it's not just dump offs. It's like designed plays left and right for Ramondre Stevenson. So there's no real takeaway here other than the fact that the Patriots don't have a bunch of depth behind Damian Harris on the roster right now. It's two rookies they drafted, Kevin Harris and Pierre Strong with J.J. Taylor on the practice squad. Ramondre Stevens is going to be awfully hard not to have inside that top five, maybe six, seven of running backs in week 13, even against a very good Bills defense, not because of the rushing upside, but because of the passing game upside. He has just been patently absurd. Again, 
Damian Harris, not necessarily a given to be out on Thursday night, but if you're not practicing after being on crutches just three days ago, certainly seems unlikely. Totally with you on that. All right, let's talk about some storylines here from Sunday Field, and not to go back to another injury, but we're going to start in Jacksonville where we saw Travis Etienne go down, was questionable return, and then never came back in spite of he went down early. Went down early. It was a foot injury, which obviously makes you more nervous than normal because he had a foot injury last year. List Frank surgery missed the entire season. He had just two rushes for three yards on Sunday. No uh, catches in this game. So just point three fantasy points. Obviously, this is worst case scenario for those that started them in fantasy. But more importantly, we're concerned for his health. No update as of right now, around 8.05 p.m. on the East Coast here on Sunday night. The next man up in the backfield, at least today, was Jermichael Hasty, yeah. the former 49ers running back. Uh, and this does make some interesting, make for some interesting decisions for the Jaguars coaching staff if he can't play next week because they acquired Daryl Henderson off of waivers this past week. Henderson was inactive. He'd only been in the playbook for probably a couple of days, so it totally makes sense that he was not ready to go today. But we can talk about this throughout the week. If ETN misses time, you're probably going to have to plant your flag on one Jaguars running back or the other. And right now, I could venture a guess, but I'd just be flipping a coin. So yeah. more to come on the Jaguars backfield this week, especially if we find out that ETN is going to miss time. Trevor Lawrence was tremendous again today, and the biggest beneficiary in the passing game was Zay Jones. 11 catches for 145 yards. He had that game-winning two-point conversion as well. So great to see some signs of life from that Jaguars passing game. Still, though, Christian Kirk, the preferred target amongst all Jaguars wide receivers, Up until today, he had been clearly the guy in that passing attack. Yeah, and it was great to be able to see Trevor Lawrence looked good in this game. He looked really and like taking good week for a couple of the between he and I know Justin Fields didn't play, Zach Wilson didn't play, Trey Lance didn't play, but Trevor Lawrence and Mac Jones, you were like, dang, like those two balled out this week. They did not look bad at all. Liz, let's talk about another quarterback that freaking balled out this week. Hey, yo, as we all expected. That's the Mike White experience. How many Mike White double stacks did you start in Daily Fantasy this week, Liz? Be honest. I'm zero, if I'm being totally honest. Zero. All right. You could have lied for good TV just for the record. (laughs) Maybe. I mean, if you're speaking about good TV and Mike White, like White Lotus, second season is streaming. I think that's interesting. Um, Show rules, by the way. If we're... It's so good, right? It's so good, and it's so mind-bending, just like the performance of this Mike White. 22 of 28, 315 yards, three touchdowns. Also, the best thing about it is the unlocking, the re-unlocking of Garrett Wilson, who at the top of the season, I know we have to go back a while, and it's hard to jog our memories because we're in the double-digit weeks of the winter now, but over the top three weeks of the season when Joe Flacco was under center for, for, uh, for the Jets, Wilson averaged over 10 and a half targets per week. He had fantasy relevant weeks. And then our boy Zach Wilson took over and Dunzo, nothing happened. But hey, what do you know? We've got Garrett Wilson back to life along with maybe, there's an asterisk because volume might be a concern, Elijah Moore, who caught both of his targets for 64 yards and a touchdown worth noting that he only did see two targets and a uh, snap share of just 34%. Tell you what, these Jets look different, Liz, with Mike White under center. They just don't look like the same Jets that you saw with with Zach Wilson. It was a completely different team. I, I think I'm starting to talk myself into maybe, maybe with Mike White under center. Garrett Wilson has now got back to that early season Garrett Wilson that I was starting to be able to trust a little bit. Five for ninety four and two touchdowns, yeah. like Liz says, was fantastic. 
I think this, you know, we like being able to see this field. Yeah, and over the next four weeks, they have three matchups that I think you're okay with as far as opposing pass defenses. They have the Vikings, which is a friendly one. Then yep. they have the Bills, the Lions, and the Jaguars. Did I earlier say the Jets were playing somebody else? I feel like the, I said the Lions are playing the Jets. I was a couple weeks too soon. My apologies there. I don't know who the Lions play this upcoming week. We'll dive into that later. But uh, the Jets play the Vikings this upcoming week. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, as much as this is a fantasy conversation for our show, I think that really what we're trying to figure out is, like, what does it mean for the Jets long term? Like, they have a really, really tough decision they have to make at some point in the near future. And near is a very relative term here, right? Like, they have to stick with Mike White. Yep. You can't turn back to Zach Wilson. You just can't, especially after a win. Now, if Mike White sort of pukes down his leg for two straight starts, then you probably do go back to Zach Wilson. But going forward, like beyond this season, if Mike White helps keep the Jets right in the playoff mix, then the Jets may have to pull the plug on a guy they used the number two overall pick on last year in 2021, which is just a crazy thing to think about. We'll dive in more to the Jets' backfield, by the way. James Robinson, a healthy scratch today, so a lot to dive into as far as who's healthy, who's not. Michael Carter gets injured. We saw some, uh, actually, we didn't. We saw some Ty Johnson. We saw some Zonovan Knight yeah. as well today, and uh, Robert Sala kind of pumped his tires after the game, saying like, yeah, he looked good. He gave us that spark we've been looking for, so maybe James Robinson's days for the Jets not, not numbered, but the role they envisioned for him may have quickly already gone by the wayside. Michael Carter getting banged up was a thing that was frustrating for me as a uh, Michael Carter manager. What are you going to do, right? Knowing that he had some great chemistry with Mike White early on in the year last year. Totally. So uh, yep. something to think about. All right, let's talk about a couple more running backs here where both of these commanders running backs field, Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson, continue to get involved. It's like they don't want to throw the football. They just want to get these two running backs as many touches as they can. I got to be honest with you. So uh, if you look at the box score, you're going to say like, yeah, J- Brian Robinson balled. And he did. He did. He played really well at the 18 carries for 105 yards. He had two catches for 20 yards and a touchdown. The touchdown catch was a designed play. Like that was great to see. But the other catch was just sort of one of those like busted play, throw the ball to the running back on a dump off. So still not a massive workload in the passing game. I am going to, and I'm sorry to do this right now. I'm going to continue to rank Antonio Gibson a little bit ahead of Brian Robinson because the passing game usage is just so much steadier. Basically the way that I view this is that while Brian Robinson is going to get the edge and carries every single week and, by default, probably going to get the edge in rushing yards. I think that the chance that Antonio Gibson gets five or so catches is just as good, if not greater, as the chances for Brian Robinson falling into the end zone for a touchdown. So a great day for Brian Robinson. And again, that's that's how I see these running backs. And I don't know if you see it much differently. And if you do, I'm happy to debate it this upcoming week. It's tough because when I look at this offense, they're utilizing both of them a ton. Yeah. And so I think when I look at the way that, you know, like you've been saying, Brian Robinson is obviously the guy that they're trying to get carries for, right? But if he doesn't get into the end zone outside of randomly catching a passing, like catching a touchdown, games like this don't happen. I mean, this last week, this would have been uh, 10.5 points. These are really, these are, there there are a few of these guys. He reminds me of Deontay Foreman, of Isaiah Pacheco, that like the passing game volume is so limited. So limited. That if they could have a great game, like, Deontay Foreman could have 18 rushes for 94 yards. And you'd be like, dang, he played great for Carolina today. Over five yards per carry. And for fantasy, you'd say 9.4 points. 
Deontay Foreman was like that today. He's like a borderline top 20 running back by the time. I, I don't know exactly where he is shaking out so far. He'll probably be somewhere like RB 25 by the time it's all said. And he played great for Carolina. He yep. played great. Yep. RB 25. Right. Meanwhile, like Antonio Gibson, again, 8.4 fantasy points on a day in which he had no more than 32 rushing yards and no more than 22 receiving yards. So that's how I see it. But here's more important than anything that we are seeing here right now, Daniel. So Stefania and Liz have big brains because they're very smart. Yep. I think you and I have large domes just because we have just large domes. There's not a whole lot in there that's important, but we have large domes. Accurate. Did you see the hat that Brian Robinson was wearing after oh the game? Oh, my gosh. His friend sells oversized hats, and I want to meet his friend. And I want to meet his friend, and then I want to meet Brian Robinson because I want to buy a hat from his friend that's huge. Sure. And then I want to go become friends with Brian Robinson because if he's willing to promote massive hats for his friend just because he loves his friend, <laughs> he seems like a gar- darn good guy. He seems like a good dude. Yeah. Yeah. I want a large I want a large hat. Liz is sitting here like, listen, you two jamokes over there have enough help you need. Don't be wearing large hats around because they're not going to help your image. Is it possible? Are large hats but expensive, I- do you think? Definitely. I think the best thing about those large hats is that they're so big, you can now stuff all of the commander's wins in them. Just a little fun fact, Taylor Heineke did not necessarily perform for fantasy managers this week, but since taking over for Carson Wentz in week seven, he has now won five of his last six games. People will say, yeah, but they played tomato cans, asterisk the Philadelphia game, or they're led by the defense. True. What is Ron Rivera, former defensive player? I think that is an interesting point to make also when looking at these running backs because I agree with you, Field, it is harder to phase Antonio Gibson out of the game plan because of game script. However, if the Washington Commanders continue to establish the run early and win via defense, then Brian Robinson maybe isn't as many paces behind Antonio Gibson in the ranks. Boy, I hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, they're, they're, they're really close, though. They are really close. Like, every week, they're yes. both sort of, like, top 25-ish. Yep. Hey, Daniel, if you play DFS, I have a question for you. Uh-huh. And you have a quarterback, uh-huh. and he throws for 300 yards. Does that help you at all? It, a lot of times, it gives you a three-point yeah. bonus. Okay, three. so you would take that extra three points, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, Tua Tungavailoa, if I saw today, had, like, something like 245 passing yards in the first half for the Dolphins. Yeah. So, he definitely hit, hit 300, You'd right? think he definitely would have hit 300 in this one, and then and then he got pulled early, what? Field. No. I think so. How many yards do you have? I think he had, let me check my notes, 299. What? 299 yards and a touchdown in a game in which the Dolphins just straight up dominated the Texans. And this is one of those frustrating games where, like, you look at the box score, like, you just look at the score, and you're like, oh, man. So Tua must have thrown two touchdowns yeah. to Tyreek Hill. Maybe Jalen Waddle got one. Maybe Jeff Wilson got in the end zone. Sort of no, like these touchdowns were all sort of random. I mean, Dylan Durham Smythe got in the end zone. They had a bunch of defensive plays that were really fantastic. That it was really tough here for you if you had Tua Tungavailoa because you only got only got 16 fantasy points when you've been used to so much more. This goes to show you how unbelievably high his floor is inside of this offense. What are you going to do? Complain about 16 fantasy points in a day in which the team scored 30? Like it just the ball fell the wrong way, but. Also, it fell the right way for the football team. You're really not going to complain. This is weird. So uh, we were watching the game, a lot of us watching the game in the war room, and they were up 30, they meaning the Dolphins, yep. at halftime. And I'm sitting there, and I asked the question at halftime to the masses. I said, would you pull Tua? Right now. He had taken a couple of big hits. Yep. They have a very difficult stretch coming up of games. 
starting with San Francisco next week. Had that big one that he had taken where he got bent over. Had that already happened yeah, he, or was that in the uh, third? I think that was in the third quarter. The but third. he had okay. this crazy play that you're referring to, Daniel, where I, I thought when he first got hit, I was like, rolled ankle at best. Mm-hmm. Like maybe high ankle sprain, maybe broke. Who knows? Right? Who knows? It was a weird looking play. It turned out he just did some like. He looked like Keanu Reeves in the Matrix, yes, like just like some crazy body contortion. It was ridiculous, right? And then after one drive in the third quarter, maybe two, Mike McDaniel was like, yeah, I'm taking him out. And the Texans ended up making this kind of a, I mean, like not a close, close game, but they had the ball. It was 30 to 12 in the third quarter, and the Texans had the ball in Miami territory. Maybe it was the fourth quarter. And I was like, could Tua actually come back in? And then Mike, Mike McDaniel did the smart thing. Like if that game had gotten really, really, really close, the Dolphins could have flipped the switch and turned it back on and just smothered the Texans. They outclassed them in so many ways. They didn't. Tough day for fantasy. It's just 16 fantasy points for Tua, but it's hard to complain when you have 16 fantasy points. 16 fantasy points. You buy half a floor, game, basically. Yeah, and that's the half. You're going to take this as a win. Like you, it, Things worked out well. I was told we got a little bit of breaking news coming into the studio. Something that I just missed? We've been told that Allen Robinson is heading to injured reserve. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't know. I was going to bring that up. Okay. Oh, you were going to yeah, bring, I was gonna bring that up. So, yes, I did have. Well, yes. look at that. Uh, Al Robinson is having foot surgery. He's going to be out for the rest of the season. Uh, a really, really crappy year for the Rams. Just continued to get worse and worse and worse. It leaves Van Jefferson and I guess Ben Skoranek. And mm-hmm. I guess Tutu Atwell available. But um, honestly, Daniel, and we've kind of reached the point of the year where like with fantasy, a lot of the stuff that you're doing is kind of the same week to week, a lot, not everything. Right. But like we're two weeks away from the playoffs. Like if you're in the playoff mix, you're making like one lineup decision per week, maybe two. Yeah. But mostly you're playing the guys that have gotten you to this point in week 13. So we're going to talk about real football a little bit. Your lions own the Rams first round pick next year. Yes, we do. And that could be, a gold mine for your franchise. Potential top five, top seven pick? Top three. Like, it, with the way that things are working out right now. By the way, what happened with Tyler <clears throat> Higby this week? He didn't uh, play, did he? I thought Tyler Higby did play this week. Oh, he did. He just had oh, zero catches. Oh, that's right. He just had zero catches. That's right. At least I, I didn't suggest to play Tyler Higby anywhere. Yeah, so that's a, that's a tough yeah. one. This is funny. So Chapin, uh, her cousin, sweetest girl, Hattie, texted me today before uh, the game started. And... You know, she she plays and she certainly loves fantasy football, but she's not necessarily like you know, reading through every injury report and saying like, oh, this guy's questionable, likely to play versus this guy's questionable. She not only reads Mike's column. She doesn't read yours. Yeah, Duh. I yeah. got it. So she texted me like, hey, is Tyler Higby playing today? And I said, yeah, he's going to play. He'll play. She was like, OK, thanks. Sounds good. Now, did she ask me if he's going to play well? No. <laughs> I didn't say anything about that part. She's going to look at that box score and be like, Field, you told me hey, she, it, Tyler Higby yeah. was going to play today. My bad. My bad. I still love you, Hattie. Hopefully you still love me. Um, and uh, if not, I kind of get it because yeah. that stinks. He had zero, zero fantasy points. You know points. who didn't have zero fantasy points but felt like it was really close? Yeah. Was Mike freaking Evans what? because Chris Godwin has looked fantastic with Tom Brady. Like the last couple of weeks, Liz, Chris Godwin has looked absolutely unreal. I don't know how to break down the rest of the split because I feel like I got to keep ranking Mike Evans inside my top 20 at wide receiver, but he has not been playing that way the last couple of weeks. Well, this is the Mike Evans conundrum, right? Low volume, but high value targets. 
Not a ton of looks the way that Chris Godwin's a more versatile player. You can move him into the slot. You can move him outside. We know what Mike Evans does. He skies, he climbs the ladder, and he wins in contested situations. But obviously his chemistry with Tom Brady was definitely off this week. That much was super visible. And since Chris Godwin got healthy, remember us talking about it three weeks ago, we were like, whoa, he is cutting. He looks fantastic and healed up. That momentum and rapport between Brady and Godwin continues to evolve. Godwin converted 12 of 13 for 110 and a touchdown today. Uh, not so much for Evans, who caught two of nine for 31 yards. This is the third straight game in which Godwin has outscored Evans. Also, the third straight game in which Godwin has looked really, really healthy. Now, I think this is a good place uh, to mention that Tristan Wirfs, the offensive lineman, was carted off of the field, which could obviously concern a quarterback of Tom Brady's age and maybe maybe motivate him to dump down or check down to the running back more frequently, even though he has a proclivity to do that already. So, Field, I ask you, what do you make of Rashad White in this game, and do you think part of his volume had to do with the offensive line issues? A little bit, Liz. And first of all, what I make of him is that I'm really glad that those out there who had who, who had him started them because ridiculous passing game utilization. Nine catches, 45 yards, so good enough for 19.9 fantasy points as he had 14 carries for 65 yards. He played 60 of 66 snaps, Liz, that this confirms. If Leonard Fournette is out again next week, and we'll see, initially it was believed that he was going to play today. So too soon to tell for next Monday night. But if Leonard Fournette's out, you know what you have with Rashad White. Oh, yeah. Lock it in. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And you probably presumed that anyways coming into this game, but there is absolutely no doubt whatsoever. If Leonard Fournette is out next week, Rashad White's a top 15 fantasy running back because Tom Brady in this Bucks offense continues to look a little bit out of sore, but one thing they have consistently done, heck, Brady's done this forever. Throw the ball to running backs a ton. Nine catches today for Rashad White. Absolutely absurd. I don't care about the fact that he had just 45 yards on those nine catches. A lot of dump-offs are good by me. Not everybody has to be Austin Eckler, right? Like, or yep. one of these guys that can turn seven catches into 85 yards. I'm cool with five yards a pop for my running back as long as there are a lot of catches there. So uh, if you have Rashad White, you feel really good about his prospects if Leonard Fournette is out. And candidly, you feel fine about it even if he's in, right? Because we saw it the, the last game before the Bucks bye, which was against the Seahawks in Germany. Rashad White got the start in that game. And so I, I think that while... It's obviously dicier. Like what I think it also suggests is the possibility that maybe when Leonard Fournette is back, Rashad White still proves to be the more valuable running back in that Bucks backfield. Yeah, it's going to be really tough to be able to figure out that split with the way that they are ranked because they could both be usable. Yeah. You know, this upcoming week is going to have, I think, what, two bye weeks this upcoming week. So maybe you're not going to have a ton of running only backs. Only two. Yeah, bye. Arizona and Carolina, the only two. So I think what it re reminds me of is like there are several backfields and these aren't the same in the commanders because obviously Brian Robinson is just basically a runner, not much of a receiver. But yep. there are a bunch of backfields where... You're going to have two guys inside the top 25 or so amongst your running backs. And it's not going to surprise you if over the course of what do we have? Six weeks left after this, maybe Rashad white, if they both play, if they both play, maybe Rashad white leads the bucks in four of those games. Yeah. And maybe Leonard Fournette leads them in two or maybe it flips, right? But both of them usable. I would think Rashad white though, very, very, very impressive. And if he gets to start by himself next week, has a ton of value, Daniel, not quite as impressive, but 
Actually, <laughs> not very impressive at all is the Broncos offense. No. They suck. They were, Sorry, they're I, just I, bad. I wanted to use that word in we the show. We are allowed to say that word. Oh, my God. <laughs> they are bad. They're so bad. I don't like watching football. I feel so bad for Broncos fans right now. Mm-hmm. Like, they've had a... It's a great franchise. They've won multiple Super Bowls. You had Peyton Manning. You had John Elway. Like, you've had great quarterbacks. So, uh, you, you deserve... Like, you, you have had your runs, no doubt, right? You've enjoyed a lot of good, really good football. But you've had some crappy quarterback play over the past 10 years. Not 10, but like six years since Peyton retired. Oh, my God. Yeah. They're averaging 14.27 fantasy. No. Well, feels like that for fantasy. 14.27 <laughs> points per game right now, Daniel. That's the third. That would be the worst since the 2000 and uh, Cleveland Browns, who were in their second year of an expansion franchise at that time. At that time, when they were the in the second year of their expansion team, did they have a $45 million quarterback? I think their entire roster cost $45, cost $45 million. million dollars. Okay. Um, I hate to break it to you. Mm-hmm. Russ actually makes $49 million oh, for you. Oh, <laughs> short enough. $245 million is what you, were, what you were getting at. So, yeah, I mean, they stink. But let's, let's enough of that. Let's focus on the running back. I, I, that's my bad. I got us off the rails. No. Uh, your interpretation of, of Latavius Murray's day today was? Latavius Murray is who we thought he was going to yeah, be today. Totally, Honestly, right? that's what he was. Yeah. We thought he was going to be the only guy in this backfield. He wound up basically being the only guy in this backfield. Yep. And what we needed from Latavius Murray was for him to either catch a bunch of passes yep. or to get in the end zone. Yeah, he didn't either, right? He didn't really do either one yeah. of them. And and that's not, not because of him. That's because this offense was, as you already said, they sucked today. They have one touchdown. They had one touchdown today. <laughs> they had an absolutely woeful late game goal line series. It was first and goal. They did not score on a goal to go situation. They had a penalty on, the, I think, the fourth down play. It took them three more plays to score a touchdown. They are an absolutely miserable unit to watch right now. I have no idea where they turn. Russ is only going to get more expensive over the successive years. And I don't want to hear how they don't have Tim Patrick and a couple of offensive linemen Sheesh. and no Jerry Judy today. All right. Do you watch some of the teams that are trotting out players this season? I do not want to hear it. I did not say that the Broncos are the worst offense in the AFC West or the worst scoring offense in the AFC as a conference. They are the worst scoring offense since the Cleveland Browns in 2000. That's 22 years ago, Daniel. This is completely unacceptable. It's a disaster. It's an embarrassment. I don't know where they turn, but the Broncos, who spent all offseason talking about how brilliant the plan is going to be and how Russell Wilson finally has a coach who allows him to collaborate and we get to have input on each other, right? Maybe the input should have just been, you're staying in Seattle, we're going to continue to win a ton of football games because that's what they did with Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. And oh, by the way, the Seahawks, they lost today, but they still have a winning record. The Broncos are three and eight. They stink. Who's first round pick? Oh, 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 the Seahawks own their first round pick. Check, please. Yeah. They're no good. All right. They're Sorry. not good. Samaji P. Ryan's look pretty good, right, Liz? Uh, yeah, Samaji P. Ryan looked fantastic. <laughs> I get to talk about Latavius Murray. You can talk about Samaji P. Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> at least there was a clear path to both of the, for both of these running backs. Samaji P. Ryan slid right into the Joe Mixon role, who, by the way, in his last two healthy games, uh, averaged 20.5 touches per contest. So we like the volume here for for P. Ryan. But, I mean, I, I think we're expecting, as Stefania said on FF Now, for Mixon to come back. Still, great sub-in effort. 17 carries, 58 yards, a, t- uh, a touchdown. And out of seven targets, this was the part I found the most surprising, four catches for 35 yards. So, again, utilized in the passing game. Now, obviously, there was no Jamar Chase. But next week, 
the Bengals draw the Kansas City Chiefs. We have to imagine there'll be a lot of passing mm -hmm. in that contest. And also the Chiefs have allowed the most receptions to opposing running backs. I'm already excited for that game. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Especially after the Chiefs were not very fun to watch today against the Rams. Yeah, we, <laughs> we had quite the experience watching that game together mm -hmm. in the war room. Uh, so, Dan, you talked about Latavius Merge a couple of minutes ago. Yep. Other side of that game, the Panthers, first of all, just like, yeah, impressive. Yeah. And this team, their coach got fired so long ago, he's already got a different job. Wow. Matt Rule's already been hired by somebody else. That firing took place so long ago. So Matt Rule, now the Nebraska head coach, and Steve Wilkes doing a darn good job, man. I'm super impressed by the way that this team continues to fight and compete and look like a team that honestly, like probably closer to what we thought they'd be coming into the season. Good enough defensively to hang in some games, and maybe they can be scrappy enough on offense to win like seven or eight. They probably won't win seven or eight, but they win another one, and part of that's because they threw the ball to DJ Moore. Yes, they did. Sam Darnold made his first start of the season. He targeted DJ Moore six times. He had four catches for 103 yards and a touchdown, a long catch. <laughs> that certainly helps. Beautiful dime beautiful. right such over player, Patrick Sertan. Just such a good player in a bad matchup as well that you just referenced. Mm -hmm. Such a good player. So am I willing to go as far as saying that, oh, yeah, it's time to make him a lineup lock? Uh, no, we're not there yet with DJ Moore. But we are certainly happy to see him with Sam Darnold have more chemistry. And we use this... Uh, what was that? Is that Wednesday when we talked about this? I can't remember when it was. It might have been on social media. But the bottom line is that over since the beginning of last season, Sam Darnold has had the best success with DJ Moore. Maybe you can say it the opposite way. Sure, and sure. DJ Moore had another big day with Sam Darnold as his quarterback. He gives me more confidence than I would have for Baker Mayfield or PJ Walker. And by the way, Sam Darnold starting next Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, I feel like when I look at Sam Darnold mm -hmm. under center yeah. with DJ Moore, I'm fine with it as long as he's going to throw the ball to DJ Moore because my favorite quarterback for the Panthers is the one that just throws the ball to DJ Moore a ton. Yeah, that's the one I like. I don't care what your name yeah. is. I just want you to make sure that you throw the ball to DJ Moore. So as long as Sam Darnold keeps doing that, I'm in on it. Liz, I want to ask you about Hollywood Brown. His first game back after being out for a handful of games, but actually, most importantly, first game with DeAndre Hopkins as well with yeah. Kyler Murray under center. What'd you take away from this game from Hollywood? I took away that Hollywood is viably, this is a, this, I don't think this is a number one receiver and number two receiver. I think this is a 1A, 1B situation. Uh, Marquise mm. Brown out-targeted DeAndre Hopkins by two looks, caught six of eight for 46, didn't find the end zone. Hopkins made some ridiculous catches, a one-handed grab that wasn't a really deep, deep ball catch, but still really impressive. Um, I think that these pieces are starting to come together. There's still no Zach Ertz. Rondell Moore obviously wasn't um, available. Neither was uh, your favorite Greg player, George. Greg George. Yep. But um, but I, I think that we're seeing a nice tandem here. Both of these players have very different skill sets, and that makes opposing defenses have to scheme quite considerably, um, and it makes the offense more complicated. So I like this moving forward. I am relieved to see him manage double-digit fantasy points in his first game back from, I believe, a five-game absence due to injury. I was super encouraged, super encouraged, yeah. because on top of everything Liz said, he was supposed to be on a pitch count. Ain't no pitch yeah. count. Is playing like all but one snap a pitch count? No. I don't think so, right? Maybe the pitch count was to play 98% of the snaps, but played a ton today. That was really good. And um, I, Liz articulated it brilliantly otherwise, so I'll leave it there. But really encouraged by the fact that he played a lot 
No Greg Dortch available today. No Rondell Moore available today. They go into their bye. We'll see what happens on the other side of the bye. But if those guys are still out, we should expect a very busy day for Hollywood Brown again. How about Traylon Burks getting into the end zone for the first time this year, Field Yates? How'd he do it? How'd he do it? You tell me, Daniel, because well, I'm too tell mad about it. it. Talk about it. I'll tell you how he did it. <laughs> Derrick Henry caught a football and then ran like a freight train mm. down the entire field until like the two yard line. At the mm-hmm. two yard line, yeah. Derrick Henry fumbled the ball. Yeah, a and then great defensive effort. It play. was. It really was a great defensive play. And then Traylon Burks jumps in the ball on the ball in mm-hmm. the end zone mm-hmm. for his first touchdown as a professional wide receiver. That's how they draw him up, right, guys? All right. I, I, I might well lose a matchup because Traylon Burks oh. fell into the end zone on a Derrick Henry fumble. I'm not mad about it. I'm just a little ticked off. How about the rest of the game, though? Four receptions, six targets for 70 yards, 17 fantasy points. Take away. Take away the touchdown, right? Guy still has 11 fantasy points altogether from this. Like He has started to come on here yeah. towards the end of the season. He was basically just non-existent for the first half of the year field. This is a very low volume passing offense, and that part is not going to change. But Robert Woods has not been the guy. Yep. Nick Westbrook Akina has not been the guy. Traylon Burks has a chance to sort of carve out a little role here with the way that he has done the last two weeks. I keep saying this, and I'll repeat it once again. We have eight teams left on a bye, two in week 13 and six in week 14. Yep. This is exactly the kind of player that you are looking for. To stash on your bench. End of the bench. High pedigree, super talented guy. If he continues to see six to eight targets per week in this offense, he's too talented to ignore. So I think he's a very worthwhile addition on the waiver wire. Did not cross that 50% threshold this past week. We'll talk about him more with Eric Moody, I'm sure, on Tuesday. But impressive and I'm happy for him because it was a tough go to begin his NFL career. There was conditioning issues and not being able totally. to be on the field. Then he got hurt. He's been on IR looking like the player that the Titans had in mind when they used that first round pick on him. Absolutely. But like you are 100% right. If I've got my top tier wide receivers there, I'm making my playoff run includes going out into the waiver wire and finding guys for the end of my bench, basically some insurance wide receivers because that insurance field yeah. Is so valuable. It is so valuable, Jane. Before oh, sorry. I do the Geico I let, library, I sorry, I did that. That, that, that's yours, isn't it? By the way, it but is before, mine. Yeah. Before I have you read it, yeah. You don't need backup quarterback if your quarterback's already started. You're right. Backup tight end, like if is the bye week's behind you. Goodbye. Done. Anyways, um, but you do need insurance yeah, in sorry, other positions. I'm so sorry. Oh, you're good. Tell me more. <laughs> Geico asks, "How would you love a chance to save some money on insurance?" I would love it. Of course you would. When it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help, like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with your homeowners or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. And Geico is really just an easy choice, guys. Switch today to all the ways that you can save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com. Contact your local agent today. Tis the season to get together with good friends and great drinks. And that means tis Miller time. Sure, the holidays can be stressful. All the more reason to raise a glass or can to keep things uncomplicated. Since 1975, Miller Lite has been the beer with taste you can depend on. No games, no gimmicks, just great beer. Not only is Miller Lite a great-tasting light beer, it's also a great gift for the beer lovers in your life. And for even more gift ideas perfect for beer lovers, visit the Miller Lite shop at shop.millerlite.com. Their new holiday collection features everything from cozy beer-inspired holiday sweaters to drinkable ornaments for your tree. This holiday, tis Miller time. So enjoy Miller time with friends and family. Miller Lite, great taste, 96 calories. Go to MillerLite.com FFF to find delivery options near you so you can give the gift of Miller time this holiday season. 
Or you can pick up some Miller Lite pretty much anywhere they sell beer. Tis Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. It is the best time of the year. Football season is in full swing. Basketball and hockey have returned. And nothing beats seeing your favorite team live. So make up for lost time and get out there and enjoy a game. Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $10 off your first $100 ticket purchase with code FFF. That's code FFF. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats. Life happens live. All right. So we are back, right, Daniel? Officially. Okay. We are back. And I just, so we, we're going to end the show with what we've been deeming flushed it throughout the year, guys who struggled. And I think what the challenge is here, Daniel, is like, some of it is like just being where it's kind of cathartic, right? If a, a guy bit. struggles, but there's not much you can do about it, we just got to let you know that we're out there and we feel you because you also had a player that's a superstar that normally balls out who did not ball out today. But if there's something like actual to this, like is there something that like persists that like maybe is a cause for concern? We'll dive into that too. So with uh, that being said, Liz gets the first duty here. Liz, good luck. This is awesome. It's so kind of you to volunteer to go first on these guys that just were terrible today. I didn't write the outline, but Derrick Henry really flushed it, you know? Well, that, he, that fumble what? that you guys were talking about earlier really ruined everybody's fantasy hopes. Meanwhile, he posted 79 receiving yards off of three catches. Nice 69-yard uh, run there. And... Uh, yeah, but like Field was saying, when you play Derrick Henry, you're expecting monster points. And to be fair, the King has recorded under 15 fantasy points in two of his last three games and over 23, right? That's what we're used to, in five of his last six. So yes, by Derrick Henry standards, which are um, monumental, this was a subpar performance. I will say this. Whether or not it actually, like, 14.8 fantasy points, but 17 rushes for 38 yards. Derrick Henry doesn't catch that long touch, yeah. that long catch. Like, his day does look awful. Thankfully, however, Derrick Henry is superhuman. Hey, counterpoint, career high in receptions and receiving yards already so far this season. So That's we've seen, great. And I know that it's still, like, it's not, it's like a quarter of an Alvin Kamara. That being said, when you're Derrick Henry and you're the best rushing touchdown threat in the game. Yep. If you can get 30 receptions for 350, 400 yards in a season, that's just icing on the cake right there. Here's one that I think is a little bit disconcerting. It's Damian Pierce, and it's not Damian Pierce's fault. We talked about this. Yeah, but we talked about this recently is Mm -hmm. that Damian Pierce, five carries, eight yards, three catches for eight yards, 4.6 fantasy points. Once again, Houston gets blown out, and, you know, Houston is – they're not – I have a hard time putting a lot of blame on where they're at right now as far as the front office is concerned because they inherited an absolute mess. And before the Texans could get good, they had to get rid of all the bad and also deal with one of the most unique situations and a, you know, obviously a sickening one in Deshaun Watson's legal case. And like that was a long, thorough, literally full year process. So they are talent bereft right now. They just are. They had very little cap space. They had no first or second round pick in 2021. They finally got some draft capital in 2022. And all the guys they drafted look like good players. Damian Pierce most especially. But when you are in such a bad spot consistently, where you're trailing by multiple scores before you even blink your eyes on Sunday afternoon, 
and your quarterback play has been bad enough that you benched Davis Mills for Kyle Allen, and he wasn't much better. This is one of the realities of what could happen. So I think the the reality is if you have Damian Pierce, there was a time in which you were considering him an absolute lineup lock, no matter what, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I think, though, that what has happened is that Damian Pierce has moved from an RB1 to an RB2, and if you have the right roster construction, you might have a situation where Damian Pierce is not one of your starting running backs or even your flex play. And here's the reason why I bring that up is that while Damian Pierce came on during the preseason, yep. it was late, right? If you drafted early, it's possible you got Damian Pierce as your RB4 or 5. So uh, it's a bummer. I still value him as a low-end RB2 right now. Uh, it's not his fault, obviously, but the, the, the needle has certainly moved on Damian Pierce just because of the offense he plays in. And yeah. I don't think it gets much better. Do you know they play next week? No. The Chiefs. Oh, gosh. The Chiefs. Is that another? What's the, what's the line there? What's the, what's the line for Chiefs? 18 and a half. Right 18 and a half? I think, wasn't it, wasn't it 14 and a half? I was going to say, it, it's rare to go That's above like Rams 14. Opened. Rams opened at 14 and a half, wasn't it? Was it for the Chiefs? Yeah. You know yeah. what, Daniel? That's a good call. I am going to go with 17 and a half. 17 and a half? That's a huge number. Though. I know. Wow. Doesn't it feel huge? And how are you supposed to play Damian Pierce understanding in a, again, negative game script, which you just saw in this Miami game, and which you're expecting in that Kansas City game, like... It's going to be really tough to feel confident at all in starting him next week against the Chiefs. It's really hard. Really, really tough. Really tough. Uh, Derek McLaurin, Daniel, is this like a one-off or is this something that was Here's concerning to you? No, this was a one-off to me, right? Yeah. They, the commanders wanted to run the stinking football. They had 14 pass attempts because they wanted to run the ball so much. Yep. So when you've got 14 pass attempts the entire game, it was a little bit rainy there. There was a little bit of weather issue. Nothing, nothing though, stood out to me from this situation. Taylor Heineke is still the guy. I love Taylor Heineke over any other commander's quarterback that we've yeah, seen this year. So I'm still fully in on Terry McLaurin. This was just one of those tough games. If you started him this week, sorry about it. Yeah, sorry. he's done enough for you recently that, you know what? You better better forgive him. It's okay. And they won. It's okay. Better days are still ahead. Liz, are better days ahead for Alvin Kamara after a two-fumble performance this week? First of all, girl, first of all, I hope so. Secondly, I get both fumbling running backs here to bookend this little flushing department oh, se- right. segment. Um, this game, 0-13, this game reminded me of the year my mom like made a goose with buckshot still in it and we had to like eat it on Thanksgiving with smiles on our faces. This was just awful. Wait, can we pause? Uh, I mean- I'm so sorry. I know that we need to talk about <laughs> Alvin Kamara, but I need to ask about that story really fast. So someone shot a turkey and there was still buckshot in it. And then your mom made the turkey and then served it to your entire family for dinner. Did I just read that story right? It was goose. Oh, goose. Sorry. It was goose. Yeah, it was a goose. Okay. And she was gifted to it. She was gifted it by a client who couldn't pay uh, his bill. So he paid her in the goose, which she was happy to take. She was of a course. And, um, and then she made it and didn't realize there was buckshot in it. And then like my step-grandma bit into it and broke her denture. It was great. And it reminded me of this game. Um, <laughs> I hope everybody's okay in this situation, but yeah, I was what a say, random what, story, Liz Loza. Thank you for being a part of the show today. Just for this. That was amazing. You are welcome. I, I had a couple of days off. I feel so refreshed, um, but yeah. not, you know, the... That cannot be said of Andy Dalton or Alvin Kamara, who gave up the ball twice. Oh. I will say it's nice to see... 
you know, him being targeted seven times, six catches, 37 yards. So, you know, that's close to 10 points, but not what you expect from Alvin Kamara. And you definitely don't expect him to manage fewer than two yards per carry. The 49ers are good, but Alvin Kamara is supposed to be fairly matchup proof. That's why you drafted him so high. I just think this whole offense is really, really... There's nothing exciting about it. Uh, Chris Olave is continuing to get a ton of looks, but even he is having trouble converting. Uh, Well, here's my only takeaway about the Saints, and this is not. I want to end somewhat, like, optimistically. Marshawn Lattimore could be back for the Saints' defense, which could make for a very interesting battle between he and Mike Evans, his longtime nemesis, next week. So let's just move to that mm. and and not have to end on such a sour oh, note. Unless well, you want to talk about more Thanksgiving holidays with my family, you and my therapist uh, are more than welcome to yeah. hear all about that. I'm, I'm actually a little like I was a little bit less discouraged from Alvin Kamara because he did have those two fumbles lost, and he had a fumble loss on the one yard line, right? So like if he converts that into a touchdown and he doesn't fumble the other time, which I know fumbles do count, but but still, this seven-point effort could have easily been 17 if Alvin Kamara does what you expect out of him. And, you know, there are some defenses that you just want no part of right now. And the 49ers might be atop that they list. They are one of them. Yeah, they sure Absolutely. Are. Who is it that the Saints play next week? Uh, the Saints play the Bucks on Monday Night Football Bucks. on ESPN. That could be a good one. Boy, yeah. I'll tell you what. Just scoring zero points as a football team is just... Ugh. You yeah. should just get. It's like I want to. There should be a yellow card, some kind of a suspension or a fine for scoring zero points. Yeah, I think for a team in today's NFL, just uh, that's uh, we should put that out into existence. You know what? I have to end the show on this. This is kind of funny. Go ahead, do it to a field. At the beginning of the show, what did we start off by doing? We talked about how awesome Josh Jacobs was, and we congratulated somebody. We yeah, play we in do. the Gasco League together, you and I. We do, and um, it was a matchup between the number one and number two teams in the league this week. I'm number two. Are you against Christian Allgood, who runs a great squad? Yeah, and he just texted me, and just texted me my tweet about Josh Jacobs that I rifled off right after the game was over. And he said it means so much that you would tweet this, knowing he was playing against you uh. on my squad in Gasco. Christian, <laughs> you don't deserve to win. I hope that there are stat corrections that somehow give yes, me yes. like an additional thirty points, and I will come back and beat your sorry team. I'm going to remember that in the playoffs. I'm going to remember that in the playoffs. Remember that, Christian Allgood. He's just like you. He's one of Keith's friends, though. You know, he's like got to be the nicest person ever, right? And that's the frustrating part when you... Liz, have you ever joined a league and you're like... A friend of yours is like, hey, I want you to come join this league. A bunch of great people. And you don't really know everyone in that league. So you you played a little bit safe. You're trying to figure out how much trash talk can I actually do with these people? Can I really push the buttons or not? I feel like that's where we're at with uh, this Gasco League because I'm with you on Christian Allgood. So... Good team. Great roster there. All right, Sunday Night Football recap. Green Bay Packers, Philadelphia Eagles. Who would have thought that 73 points was going to be scored in this Sunday Night Football game? I'm raising my hand. Not me. I didn't think the Philadelphia Eagles (laughs) would give up 33 points to an Aaron Rodgers slash Jordan Love led team Liz Loza. And I say that because Aaron Rodgers came into this game with a thumb injury, as we knew, and ended up leaving shortly into the second half. Well, and he left with a rib issue. He took a hard hit um, and was, you know, motioning towards his ribs. Uh, Clearly looked like it was a painful situation. Stefania has talked about rib injuries and how it's a pain tolerance issue. Mm-hmm. And he did that before the half, and then you're right, it was 
into the third quarter in which he officially jogged his way to the locker room. So good news that he was jogging to the locker room, but that was when Jordan Love made his, uh, his appearance. And it wasn't a bad appearance, I wouldn't say at all. No, Jordan Love, six for nine for 113 yards and a touchdown. 8.52 fantasy points in comparison to 9.5 for Aaron Rodgers. Oh, my gosh. I mean, the truth of the matter is I don't think that I'm looking at either one of these Green Bay quarterbacks like I have been saying ahead of time. However, one of the things that we were talking about was Christian Watson. And is this guy going to continue a lot of what it is that he has been doing over the last couple of weeks, Liz? Only six targets here, but he made the most out of them. Four for 110 and another touchdown, 21 fantasy points. Is this is this something that can continue even without Aaron Rodgers, do you think? I'm asking you to forward. There's a little bit of foreshadowing here. Wait, no, foreshadowing, that's not right. That means that we already know the outcome. You're projecting. You're asking me projecting. to make a projection. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Um, well, here's a fun fact first. Christian Watson is the first Packers rookie with a receiving touchdown in three straight games since Billy Houghton. You probably don't know his name because he played in 1952. Oh, wow. So, yeah. How's that for um, a little bit of a nug? So here's the, the curious thing about Christian Watson. You never want to chase touchdowns, right? Like those mm. we believe to be fluky. And yet, what Christian Watson does is score all of them. Also, we know that Aaron Rodgers had the thumb issue, which reportedly affected his accuracy. And yet he was still able to reach Christian Watson, who does not have the best hands, but does have a lot of speed. Um, And Mm -hmm. that was what was on display. So I think Christian Watson is going to remain this flex option who has a not particularly comfortable or sturdy floor, but a ceiling that fantasy managers who are obsessed with ceilings upside um, will continuously be tempted by. And now as we head into the fantasy postseason, this is going to become a more volatile situation. I think that Christian Watson, and maybe some will call this a cop-out in terms of analysis, you have to look particularly once we hit these double-digit weeks of the fantasy season and we're approaching the playoffs, at your competition. And if your projected score is well below or even, you know, let's say 10 points, 5 points, 7 points below your opponents, then you got to play Christian Watson in the flex. You have to reach for the ceiling. There is no more maybes And so if you are chasing points, Christian Watson becomes your guy. But if you are the person in the head-to-head with uh, the higher projected score, maybe you just opt for your floor player. I'm assuming if you're in the fantasy playoffs, you have a balanced roster and can make those sort of decisions. Yeah, I mean, everything you're describing, Liz, the last three games, he had eight targets against Dallas, six targets against Tennessee, and six targets tonight against Philly. He's not getting a ton of volume. And not only that, he caught four balls in each of those games. He's only yep. had four catches in each of the last three games. Yep. And in spite of that, he had 32.7 in week 10, 21.1 in week 11, and 21.0 in week 12. The dude is big plays. You're right. He is the big play option. They're at Chicago next week. That's a division rival. Yeah. Also a gettable secondary. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And with that gettable secondary, a part of this, and we can move on here to the running back really quickly after this, but Alan Lazard with this resurgence or, or just this, this coming out party for Christian Watson, Alan Lazard has been almost nowhere to be found. Like only three targets today. Yeah. It, it was really tough. I'm, I'm interested to see how this is going to work out because he has really been Aaron Rodgers' trusted target all of the rest of the season. And then this rookie has just balled out over the last three games and thrown all of us into this fantasy turmoil here that have been trusting these Packers wide receivers. So really quickly, we'll talk about the running backs who both fell just shy of a hundred total yards apiece, but also they both got in the end zone, Liz. And they were real close to the same output, 17.8 for A.J. Dillon and led by the fact that he got in the end zone, also caught three passes. And Aaron Jones, 18.9 fantasy points, led by his three catches for 56 receiving yards and a touchdown, also had 43 yards on the ground. Both of them got it done if you started either one of them tonight because they both found ways into the end zone. Without a touchdown, these days look very different. I would agree with that. However, the Eagles know that their run defense has not been the sturdiest. That's why they added Linval Joseph and they added Indomitian and Sue, right, to um, reinforce their run defense. So those are two vets, two, two some might say mercenaries in the league. Um, <laughs> I, I think that Aaron Jones here, who still out-touched A.J. Dillon and obviously tied for second in team targets behind Christian Watson, who we've discussed plenty, is the preferred option. A.J. Dillon has a splash game against a questionable run defense. I I don't particularly, if we change quarterbacks here, I'm not going to feel comfortable just regularly starting Dillon. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think I'm with you on that. He hasn't gotten – I need to see way more out of A.J. Dillon before I get to that point and especially heading into the fantasy playoffs. However, Miles Sanders has been a really nice, you know, like medium floor kind of a guy. There's never been a big ceiling there with Miles Sanders because he's not a big pass catcher in spite of how much the Philadelphia Eagles run. But this week, 21 carries, 143 yards, two touchdowns. Plus, he did catch three passes for 17 yards, a total of 31 fantasy points. Liz Loza. The Philadelphia Eagles ran the football for like 340-some yards (laughs) against the Green Bay Packers. It was unreal. I feel like Miles Sanders has reached that point where you can't not put him in your lineup with how much this team, in spite of his maybe limited ceiling, this team just runs the football too much and he's too utilized for this. He gave us the one. He gave us the I love you, right? 143 yards, two touchdowns after two after two quiet outings where he failed to clear 55 rushing yards. Um, but I agree. Two, when two you, tough matchups in those. Ah, the Houston Texans. That, yeah, you're right. The Houston Texans are week nine, Washington, and then at Indiana. Yep, two tough matchups. Um, next week, he's got the Titans, uh, which is not – I mean, Titans have pretty good run defense as well. But I think the volume here is always going to be the issue. Volume is always king. Finding – a, a running back who will regularly give you double digit carries is, is obviously key. Um, so I don't think you can, I mean, you know, I mean, can you imagine putting him outside of your top 15 in a week with buys, especially they're going to be, yeah, two teams on by next week. You know, e- even if he is just a flex play for me, I feel like there's this consistency that comes with this rushing game 
part of that rushing game though is Jalen Hurts. I mean, 17 carries from Jalen Hurts this week for 157 yards. Clinic. I mean, he was on pace for like 350 yards in the first quarter. It was was absolutely bananas to see him just breaking ankles left and right. I mean, if they did, I don't know if they do a juke rate for a mobile quarterback, but they need to because I guarantee he'd be in the most elite among RBs, let alone QB stats. Oh, you are not wrong. You are not wrong. 29.82 fantasy points for Jalen Hurts this week. And here's here's one more thing. Sorry, just ab- about Jalen Hurts. Like, I don't think he has cleared 30 pass attempts since week five. Five, yeah. He has not managed more. He has not hit. He's not managed more than 28 pass attempts since week five. And that was when he was at Arizona and threw the ball 36 times. Otherwise, under 28 or 28 and under every week since. And yet he's doing all of this with his legs. That gives you such a clear idea. Also, like everybody who faces the Eagles knows what they're going to do. If he is consistently not throwing the ball and running, it's not like people are like, oh, I wonder what the Eagles game plan is going to be this week. We know very (laughs) clearly what it's going to be. And he's so damn good at it. The defenses can't adjust. At least 20 fantasy points in each of the last five games, in spite of the fact, like you said, only had a max of 28 pass attempts. That does limit A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith for us, which we don't love, Liz. It's not my favorite. However, A.J. Brown gets in the end zone, four for 46, and a touchdown, 12.6 fantasy points. Devonta Smith had nine targets, four for 59 fantasy points here this week. But here's the thing. These are the weeks. These are the weeks that you're going to have when you have a Philadelphia Offense that is led by a man named Jalen Hurts who utilizes his legs so well and the running game was working so well. They just didn't need to utilize these all-star talents in A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith in the same way that they've had to in some other games. So there will be this better is a, days this ahead. Is a look at your matchups as well. Like J.R. Alexander is a pretty good cornerback, right? We all know his name. Absolutely. So this is a manager expectation based on the matchup. I I... In full transparency, I don't know who this player is for you, but whenever I get a question that involves a, a start to question that involves Devonta Smith, I'm always like, oh God, because he could just burn you with a 60 yard reception, you know, and like you're mm-hmm. donezo. Yeah, that part is really tough. And I feel like this is the, I feel like it's not totally the same, but Gabe Davis gives me a lot of that because it's like, listen, like you're, this is part of the vibe. Like, you know, when you bought into this player, although Gabe Davis is a little, a little easier because Josh Allen is a little more of a pass friendly quarterback than, than Jalen Hurts is. But um, regardless, that being said, Liz, 73 points scored on this Sunday night football game. We can only hope that Monday night football is going to be this exciting <laughs> one more game this week. And then we close out week 12 in the books and we move ahead to week 13. Oh my gosh. You cannot believe that we are finally at this point of the season. The playoffs are right around the corner. Right around the corner. We've got lucky number week 13 up next, and then playoff run, baby. Playoff run. All right. For Liz and Jackson, who is hanging out here with us doing this audio only dive into the Sunday night football game. My name is Daniel. You already know that because you've listened to the rest of this podcast. (laughs) We still love you. We hope that you continue to love each other. Please be kind to yourself, and we will see you guys on Tuesday for the Tuesday edition of Fantasy Focus.
See ya. If you need a stick of tide, Field is your guide. If you're in Bristol or in Farmington, you should find another ride. Candidly, he hates Mike Clay. And you know that it's a fact. Every hater's gonna hate. Cause he's on TV every day. A spicy tomato who's got the stats and tweets that'll make you laugh. He's our favorite host and everybody knows his name. He's Field ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate.